and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex and I am pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. What we're doing at Messiah is we're going through the Bible in a three-year Bible reading plan. And we are doing this podcast because we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith by reading God's Word and talking about it. Today, to help me talk about God's Word is becoming one of our regulars on the show, Ed Funk. Ed, welcome to the show. Tell us something interesting uh, that's going on in your life today. Well, I want to thank you for... uh consider me one of the regulars because right now I do need the money, the extra money. Yeah. 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 It's helping out a lot. (laughs) Very good. And presently at the, at the beach, Gracie and I are in North Padre Island and it's a very beautiful day. And we've been spending a lot of time just walking on the, on the beach and I've been collecting uh, driftwood. I don't know why, but I've been collecting it. And we're just enjoying the weather and being together and the, the uh, serene, uh, the serene surroundings, and so uh, we're having a good time. Awesome. Well, glad you are there. Let's go ahead and get started with um, this podcast, so you can get back to your beach and um, enjoying your your time on the island. So, um, and I heard the weather is good there. The weather is good here today. And uh, we are in episode 41. We're moving right along through this plan, which is awesome. We're going to cover the readings today that uh, go from November 7th through the 13th. And if you've listened to this show enough, you know by now that that reading plan, there's a lot of things that get mixed together. So Ed and I are just going to focus on First Kings today, chapters 1 and 2, which surprisingly to me um, contained a lot more stuff than I expected for just two chapters of the Bible. But let me give you a quick overview of what's going on here in the book of First Kings. So, just like First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings were originally written as one book together. But, you know, back in those days, when you run out of scrolls and scroll length, you have to divide them. So that's kind of how we get our division in the Bible, Um, but it's really one book called Kings. Um, And it also continues the stories that we find in the book of Samuel, some of those stories you find in Chronicles as well, but it continues the book of Samuel, and David has unified the tribes of Israel into one kingdom. And there's this promise that God has given to David that there's going to be a messianic king, a great king that's going to come uh, after him and establish God's kingdom to all the nations and fulfill the promise that was made to Abraham a really long time ago. So the book of Kings, first and second Kings, basically um, tells us the story of a long line of kings that failed to live up to this promise. We start in first Kings with Jerusalem, the transfer of power from David to Solomon, and we end in 2 Kings at the very end with Jerusalem's destruction. So it kind of goes full circle by starting with the thriving of Jerusalem, and then in 2 Kings it ends with the destruction of Jerusalem into the exile uh, to Babylon. The Bab- and today we're going to explore the first two chapters of 1 Kings. Like I said, it starts with Solomon's reign. Um, and David is giving over his power 
of kingship to Solomon. So that's what's going on here. Uh, let me just detail very briefly what's happening in the first two chapters. Basically, David is getting really old. He's about to die. And his eldest son at that time, Adonijah, is trying to set himself up as the king. People hear about this. Um, Adonijah knows that this is not going to be popular with uh, prophets like Nathan and then uh, I think Benaiah, who is the bodyguard um, uh, or an, a military officer that is loyal to uh, David and also Bathsheba and Solomon. So uh, he doesn't invite them to his, his kingship party. Instead, he excludes them. He tries to become king by raising up his followers and Nathan and Bathsheba go before David to try to uh, get David to confirm his oath that Solomon is going to be king. So they hatch this plan to make Solomon the king, anoint him, get a party together, and uh, Solomon rides in on David's donkey, sits on the throne, and confirms what the Lord, what God, has uh, confirmed through David that Solomon would be the next king, even though Solomon is not the eldest brother or son of David. So um, long story short, Solomon becomes king, and David in chapter 2 gives instructions to Solomon with which uh, start out really good, obey the Lord your God, walk in his statutes, and then there's all this like assassination instructions that he gives to uh to his son Solomon. He's saying, this person's good, uh, preserve their life, this person's not so good. And this was common in those days in that cultural context to try to establish the reign of a king, especially one that was um, uh, uh, achieved or, I guess, instituted through unusual ways, like Solomon being not the eldest son, but um, kind of in a weird way, becoming king. Uh, so it was important for them to eliminate threats to the kingdom. So that's what happens, and that ends our first two chapters in First Kings. So, Ed, as you were reading through, what things stood out to you? Well, just to add a little bit to what you said, um, the United Kingdom actually was only David and Solomon. It wasn't United right. Was only just two two kings. <laughs> that's, that's sad. It is and, sad. Didn't last long. No. Um, and uh, Absalom, uh, the, the, one of the younger sons, uh, killed. I think uh, another son called Amnon, who was in line to be king. And uh, Absalom had a revolt. David had to even leave the. Uh, he had to leave, sneak out of Jerusalem because of Absalom was after him. And I believe, isn't Absalom the one that got his uh, hair caught in a tree? And that's yep. how they caught him? That's yeah. how they caught him. He got his hair yeah. stuck in the tree. And he then had, um, I think it was a, Joab. A, yeah. Joab that yeah. threw the spear at Absalom because yes. the other men just couldn't do it. Uh, they couldn't well, kill he, well, David's son. Yeah. Well, David said not to kill him. And Joab was like, nah, forget this. We're throwing a spear at him. And actually, Joab in this 
in at the beginning of First Kings is is one of the the people that Solomon ends ends up eliminating, which is kind of crazy because Joab stood by David's side for so long. Um, well, he may have been may have been upset because he didn't follow his orders and killed killed his son. Yeah, that could be. Um, and so then there was this guy named uh, Benaniah or Benaiah or something like that who becomes Solomon's. Um, version of a Joab, Solomon's commander and bodyguard. So, yeah. What else? So, um, there's yeah. a lot going on leading up to this. And then uh, Ab- Abonajah, how do you say his name? Abonajah? I said Abonajah. Yeah, yeah. Abinijah, Abinijah, maybe. Let me see here. Adonijah, Adonijah, yeah. Adonijah, oh yeah, D, yeah, Adonijah, yeah, it's easy. Uh, So he just set himself up. I'm, I'm going to be king, and basically took uh, one of the high priests and the head of the the commander of the army and a few other people. Um. And decided he was going to be king, but then Solomon, um, but then David uh, said that Solomon would be king, and I right. think he had, he had the Zodak the priest and Nathan the prophet, and they went to a place called uh, oh some spring, and they anointed um, they anointed Solomon king, and then added 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 John, added John, yeah Solomon. Um, then pardoned him, but told him. Yeah, he to, did actually. Yeah. Um, that was interesting to me. That stood out to me. Like Adonijah was, he was setting up this coup. He, he knew what he was doing wasn't right or, or wasn't according to what, you know, God had established, but he was like, this is my chance. This is my one opportunity. I'm going to set myself up as King. And then when he hears, that David himself has declared Solomon as king, that Solomon's riding in the town on David's mule, on David's donkey, which also... So, I think it's a mule. Yeah. You know, a mule is as big or bigger than a horse. So I, I would see that the, if they're going to ride or go somewhere, they'd probably be on a mule and not a donkey. Because a mule is a pretty good-sized animal. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, he's riding on the mule that David, that is, that belongs to David. So that is like, there's all these things that signify that Solomon is the true king. Now it's been declared. They didn't recognize him, but everybody recognized the mule. (laughs) That's David's mule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that mule from uh, 30 years ago. Yeah, he's been around a while. Um, But that signified, in all seriousness, that signified to people even more of the legitimacy behind Solomon being declared king. I see. I I think at one point it said Solomon even sat on the throne and, and all of this stuff. And so at that point, Adonijah is saying, well, this plan's over. And all of his friends just desert him. They're having this feast yeah, somewhere, yeah. and they they're like, "We're out of here, man!" And actually, Adonijah gra- says that he grabs onto the horns of the altar. And I looked this up. In those days, a lot of times, altar 
altars were like this rectangular shape with these corners that kind of came up on each oh, of the yeah. four corners that were kind of horn-like shapes. Uh, they could have been like made out of gold or or some kind of metal or something like that. And he, you would grab onto the horns of the altar and you just stay there if you had uh, unintentionally committed a crime or um, as this passage implies, if you had committed a crime that you are seeking pardon from. So I think that, um, oh yeah, Solomon initially pardons him, you know, due to this custom. He says, you know, let's see if he's a worthy man. Let's give him a chance. But then later on in chapter two, Adonijah requests to marry the young lady that, um, was actually keeping David warm in his bed in his old age, which is another disturbing thing. But um, Solomon well, didn't like that request, and so he, yeah. he killed Adonijah. So that didn't work out for Adonijah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, that didn't. Yeah. Um, the, th the thing is that the Bible also says that uh, David's sons were all pampered okay and uh, i guess they they grew up pampered and um they didn't didn't say so much about solomon but it mentions the ones that give him a lot of problem and that and then uh, it says that he he david was a good king but he wasn't successful as a father mm. but if you stop to think he had concubines and wives oh, yeah, yeah. All, how do you, I mean, how can you be a father to something like that? You just, you're, um, so it, it's, it's kind of hard, I think. But anyway, they're kind of blaming, they're blaming David for the reaction of his sons because of the way they were raised. Yeah. His rich kids and pampered. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and the most the ones that were killing each other, they were, most of them are all half brothers and sisters. Yeah. Half brothers. Yeah. yeah. And they had allegiance through their mothers to other places. Mm. Okay. And some of their mo mothers were idol worshipers, yeah. which we'll see later on how that uh, basically takes over in the divided kingdom. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, yeah. The one thing that was, and, and I mean, that's, concerning um that you know like we see david being praised as this great king being thought of a great king but he had so many uh imperfections so many things that he he did not do well that he failed to live up to and that only points us even more to jesus as the perfect king as the messianic king that god promised to him um, but it very well could have been that david was thinking that the next king after him whatever son that was which ended up being solomon david could have thought that solomon was the one like the the king that was going to establish the the kingdom over all the nations because they didn't necessarily think of it in, in the way that we realize it now because you know we know about jesus we have the whole story in front of us um, he very well could have thought it's kind of like eve might have thought that her next son after um Abel was killed, or or actually her yeah. first son Abel, um, yeah. she might have thought that that was the savior that that God had promised to her, um, and um, you know because it, the criteria for the Messiah, 
the the king, the the perfect king that would establish God's kingdom over all the nation, they didn't necessarily think of it as like it had to be um, this divine person. They didn't think of it in that way, but it that's the way that it that it did happen. Um, so he very well could have thought that Solomon was going to be the one, and then you know. All throughout Kings, we see this this constant failure of the kings, but even the failures of David point us to Jesus as the perfect king. It's like, man, like nobody can live. If David can't live up to it, who can? Jesus can. So that kind of points us to that. Um, but one thing that disturbed me right off the bat was that David in his old age, is he's really sick. He's getting really cold. They put all these blankets on him. He can't get warm, and so they send in this young lady who's a virgin, and she lays in bed with him to keep him warm. Now, they didn't have intercourse or anything like that because it says he did not know her. Um, The king did not know her, and that's, you know, the Bible's way of saying they didn't have um, relations with one another, but it was merely a practical thing. But still, it disturbed me, Um, but just kind of goes to show David's flaws, his imperfections. Um, Even when he's giving Solomon advice, uh, he gives some great great advice at the beginning, you know, follow in the ways of the Lord, follow his statutes and his commands and, and, and keep that at your heart. But it wasn't uncommon in those days for kings to you know, in their last days to say, all right, you need to eliminate this guy. You need to eliminate that guy. You need to get rid of this guy um, because he wants to establish the threat of any, any possible threat to Solomon's kingdom because he very well could be thinking Solomon's the one, Solomon's the one. I have to, I have to do everything I can and to control um, this outcome. And I wonder if maybe that's kind of uh, a little bit of David's um, struggle, faith struggle, um, a struggle to trust in God um, to to make the things happen. And so David's trying to take matters into his own hands by telling Solomon, you need to get rid of these threats for your kingdom. Otherwise, things aren't going to work out. Um, yeah. But anyways, those are some thoughts that I had and, and things that concerned me a little bit and were a little disturbing as I read. Was there anything else that um, stood out to you or was um, confusing, concerning uh, in these chapters? No, the, I mean, they're pretty straightforward. The, uh, they're, the, you know, it's not like it's uh, Revelation. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, his, you know, historical. Um, if you had to explain it in a, a one sentence you might say it's uh the story of, of spirit spiritual success and then spiritual failure hmm. yeah so a period of um from the united kingdom to the divided kingdom um and then things are would but that there of course this is probably not in in my chapters one and two but of all the kings uh, that they own, there's most of them did not follow God's will. Right. And I think 
The only ones that did was Hezekiah and, and Josiah. Uh, the rest of them pretty much were idol worshipers and went their own way. So it's it's just a it's a it's almost like a failed society, uh, which it leads them all to the takeover by the Assyrians and then and then the Bab- Babylonians. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's it just. Um, I know when we read these things, and I've said this a number of times, we we the time frame we just lump it together, but we're talking about hundreds of years, right? In sense, more than hundreds of years, and we can't put ourselves just in in one day in one time frame and see what was going on. We just see it as a whole picture, and mm-hmm. with the whole picture, we can see the decline. Maybe they didn't see this decline that much during one particular person's life's life. Um, and it really started with Solomon with his um, his wives. He was marrying for political reasons, etc. And they were bringing in their own their own gods and idols. And they finally let uh, people start worshiping that way because of that. And then after the United Kingdom, when we get into uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, we got a civil war and things split, and uh, then things uh, things continue, continue to get worse. So it only yeah. took only took uh, only took three generations. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah. One last thing that I found uh, very interesting um, is kind of at the, uh, I guess, middle of chapter two. Um, it's uh, verse 26. Um, the uh, King Solomon is uh, seems to be letting the, uh, the current priest, Abi, Abiathar, um, who is a, a descendant of Eli, we see at the beginning of First Samuel, he seems to be uh, letting. Um, uh, he well, he he says, you know, you deserve death, but I will not at this time put you to death because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David. So he seems to be, um, you know, you shared in my father's affliction. So he said, because of this loyalty, you know, um, you know, I'm going to spare you your life. But Solomon then expelled Abiathar from being a priest, and that fulfilled the word of the Lord um, that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli and Shiloh. So that brings us back to the story of at the beginning of 1 Samuel, I think at the beginning of 1 Samuel, where Eli is raising... Um, Samuel, but Eli's and Eli is the priest at the time. Um, but you know, God comes to Samuel and says, like, you know, because Eli's sons are disobedient, um, his his line of priesthood will uh, be eliminated. And you know, the next morning, Samuel doesn't want to tell Eli that, but Eli says, "Please just just tell it to me straight. Just tell me the news." And um, Samuel says, "God says that." your 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 line your family line in the priesthood will be eliminated and so it's finally fulfilled 
under the, the beginning of the reign of Solomon with Abiathar being expelled from the priesthood and then Zadok is the, the new, um, it seems to be the new head priest. So there's definitely a, a, a switching of, of power, a transition of power that's happening here and also even a fulfillment, continuing to fulfill God's word. And I think that the thing that gives me hope is that God's promises always end up true, even if those promises, uh, you know, contain consequences, we can rely and trust on the word of God. And the good news with God's word is that he promises to be faithful to us no matter what. He was faithful to David. He was even faithful to Solomon. And even through these sort of conniving little ways that it it seems like from the human perspective, it seems like they totally just, um, connived and and were finding all these loopholes to make Solomon king and and, and you know kind of scheming and going around one another even in all of that from the human standpoint it might look really bad but yet God blessed all of those things to still accomplish his will and so even when we go around and try to control things and do things the way we want to I think you know, God reminds us that he is, is watching out for us. He is protecting us. He, he will bless us and he will still accomplish his will. Even, even when we, uh, mess it up, uh, mess things up. Um, he's still gonna, um, keep his promises, um, and remain faithful. So anything else for you that, um, stands out as a kind of a, a sign of hope? Well, if I was reading, if the only thing I knew was uh, 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2, I would figure then it was basically uh, not good for man that Mm. they were were going down the tube. (laughs) And then, of course, then we have the the rise of Elijah and Elijah. Mm. Yeah. And that's when I get God uses his prophets um, to um, counter what's going on. Right. And then to get back to the head priest that when they told him that his they're going to eliminate his family, I don't know the background and Zod, Zod, Zodiac. Is that, I believe that's yeah, his? Uh, Zodak. He's the one so, that rises up uh, in place yeah. of, yeah. I don't know what his one. family background is. All I know is that he and Nathan were the ones that anointed Solomon. Yes. So there was a reason that he was chosen or made to be yeah. the head priest uh, yeah. to anoint Solomon. But I, I don't know his background or where his family came from or why maybe he was he was chosen. But he was he and uh, Nathan took Solomon and, uh, and anointed him king. Yep. Um, so there you go. And from yeah. Solomon came Jesus. So it's a good thing that we don't just have two chapters of First Kings and that we have the rest of the story. So and because you couldn't end it. If you're reading the first two chapters of First Kings, you could start the first sentence once upon a time, 
but you could not end it with they lived happily ever after. Right. <laughs> Very good. On because that note. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. On that note, we will take a break and be right back. Well, I'm going to take a little walk on the beach. Okay. Yeah. All right. You take a walk on the beach. I'll take a walk in this office. Um, I'll do a couple laps and we'll be right back. Okay. Hey, welcome back to Grow Up and Talk. Ed just, um, he was lightning fast and he took a walk on the beach. It's called speed walking, speed beach walking. And I took well, I a couple laps around little, the office. Yeah. I'm getting a little sun, sunburn on the back of my neck. Oh, wow. Yeah. It must be hot out there. Um, two, two places I hate the sunburn is the back of my neck and the, the back of my knees. The back of your so, knees get sunburned? Yeah. Well, you when you have you're out on the beach and you have shorts on. No, you're, okay. Brown in the water, surf. You must have taken a long walk during the break. Well, let me let me tell you what I've been doing here. Uh, for some reason, there's small sharks that are coming up on the beach. Yeah. And when I when I see them, I grab them and throw them back in. I don't know what why they're watching. There's a storm out there. I know maybe that's it. But it's kind of interesting. They're about eight or ten inches long, and hmm. out be flopping around and out grabbing and save his life nice he'll probably grow up and bite me but but that's okay <laughs> all right ed um well we've been talking about a lot of interesting things a lot of drama uh packed into the narrative of the first two chapters of first kings how do you see this having importance to our lives today as christians okay there are a couple things and I want to start out pretty basic. One is it's it's mentioned and it's also you have to read it between the lines is that uh, David did not raise his family like he should have. And uh, he may should have settled some of his things out or made the boys mow the grass or do something for their allowance. Uh, <laughs> And the other thing is that they he had sons that did not respect him. Hmm. They did not respect the first king of the covenant. Uh, they did not respect him. They were all about themselves. And we see we still see this today. I mean, this this is human nature, uh, which can be somewhat controlled. But some instances it can't be because that's maybe that's just the way sometimes people are. So yeah. because of humans involved in the way they handle things, it's what I said. We have a we have what we see spiritual success, and then we have people losing it uh, by their own omission that that they do things that they shouldn't do. They should know better but they placed themselves first. So we went from a United Kingdom that was doing pretty good and to a divided kingdom mm. and to a divided kingdom that gets uh, 
even more divided when the uh, uh, the northern half is taken over by the Assyrians, and then later on everything's taken over by the Babylons, yeah. Babylonians. So they go from a united kingdom to a nothing kingdom, and it's all because of their behavior and their inability to um, follow the covenant or worship God. Even though some of our greatest prophets are during this era, era hmm. I guess it wasn't for them. Uh, we were lost. Maybe more people have been lost, but it's it's sad. It really is. A whole a whole nation of godly people just eliminated because of their inability to follow a very simple covenant. I thought. Yeah. Sad story. Like I said, it could it, it not end happily ever after. It did not end happily ever it after. Would, it would end something else, yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, I would say, to be continued. To be continued. Very good. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I see a lot of modern application today in our, in our world, in our society, and how things are going. Um, I think that there's a lot of good things. You know, God has governments and uh, around the world, not just the American government, but governments around the world uh, to, uh, to uh, you know, kind of accomplish his will to kind of curb evil. It's not, those are not perfect things. Uh, that is ultimately, that rest in the hands of Jesus um, and his return and his plan of restoration. But I do think, you know, there are good things that, that leaders uh, can do, uh, but there are really bad things that leaders can do. And so as followers of Jesus, um, he calls us to to follow his covenant, his promises, um, to trust in that uh, where we're at, I think, um, and and not get so caught up in um, who's in this position, who's in that position, because, you know, David and Solomon were, you know, in a lot of ways, great kings. But at the same time, in a lot of ways, they really weren't. Uh, yet the grace of God um, still... Uh, remained, and even in the fall of the kingdom and in the exile of God's people, he returned them back to the land, and he sent his son, and uh, we're waiting for Jesus to come back again. So, you know, we are the continuation of the story, um, and, and we know how it will end, and yet God gives us work to do in the meantime, I think. So that, for me, is the big application to trusting God and His promises above all things and to know that um, there are good things that can be accomplished um, through uh, leaders and and people in, in, in positions of influence, but it's not always the case. And um, it's really just us as Jesus followers, you know, called to be faithful as, as much as we can where we're at. So... That's kind of what I take away from it. Yeah, it says in the, the, one of the verses, or says in something I read, I mean, that'd be out of the Bible, maybe out of the teaching Bible, that uh, in these instances, especially the ones where they start worshiping idols, that the people follow the leaders. Hmm. So if you have a leader that way, then the majority of the people will, will go that way. Right. Yeah. So most of these kings were, except for Hezekiah and Josiah, that most of them were 
pretty uh, secular and pretty much for themselves and didn't take care of their people. Yeah. Yeah. So look to God, everybody. There you go. Um, <laughs> Ed, uh, thanks for joining me on the show today. Um, we always end with a random question. So um, we we just finished Halloween. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is, you know, Christmas season is like a month long thing in our in our culture today. So I'm wondering. This is the big question. When is it acceptable to start listening to Christmas music? Well, I, we never take our Christmas tree down. It's up year round. <laughs> we also have. Uh, we keep, uh, okay. Uh, Are you being serious so, about that? Because I know right. someone who's like that. I know. Okay, I'll be. This is the serious part. We okay. keep the nativity scene up year round. Okay. The nativity scene is up year round, and uh, when can you play Christmas music? Well, uh, some people play it uh, six months when when it's actually six months before Christmas. So that's somewhere in June. Sometimes it's like they call it Christmas in June. They they would play a little bit of Christmas music because they're so far away, but after the next day, they're getting closer. But I think you should, whatever music you like, you should play any time. Okay. And it's kind of interesting uh, with Christmas music is that um, you know practically all of it. You could probably sing along or sing along with it or hum, but still it's, it's, it's uh, fun to listen to. And I've I've reached I've reached a point in my life where uh, it's hard for me to get excited about some of these things because of uh, I don't have the youthful exuberance I have more of the elderly reality I guess so <laughs> but I enjoy uh, I enjoy seeing other people being happy and all that but. Um, yeah, you should it should be able to play it any any time you want, any time you feel like it. Okay. I mean, Greg and I were dancing to the uh, Monster Mash the other night, and we had to sit down for an hour. <laughs> oh, it, that's great! It was Halloween night. I, yeah, yeah. I, I had this that's CD funny. of uh, CD of uh, Halloween music, like Monster Mash and. Uh, uh, one eye, one harm, fine purple people eater, things of that sort. <laughs> so, but Christmas music, yeah. I used to keep uh, Bing, Cros Bing Crosby's white Christmas CD in my car year round. Yeah. And when I sometimes when I drove to work, I'd put it in just That's to listen nice. to it. Yeah. I, I do. Manny Kamikimaka. Manny Kamikimaka is the thing to say. You got the beach. You're at the beach on the bright Hawaiian Christmas day. I forget who um, in my life absolutely just does not like that song. I don't know if my if it's my wife or it's if it's one of my friends. I can't remember, but somebody told me that they do not like that song at all. Uh, but I love it. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm more of a. I'd work it into uh, some music during one of your sermons. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm glad so, you played on the guitar. 
Yeah, I, I start listening to Christmas music maybe, you know, I've around November. Um, uh, but definitely at right after Thanksgiving, you know, I just get I start to get super pumped because that's when we uh, put the decorations up the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a lot of people are different. Some people start in October. Some people are like, no, not till December. But for me, some of the excitement is the anticipation. And I do kind of like this month long sort of season well, uh, it's that more we fun have when you have kids, that's it's yeah. more fun you have kids. But the other thing about Christmas decorations there's always a Christmas decoration that you miss hmm. after Christmas. And you take down your tree and say, uh, Epiphany, uh, Three Kings Day or whatever it is. You take down your tree. There's always somewhere in the house. There's a, and it's usually sometimes the hanging on our front door, like a, a wreath with a bell on it or something. Well, I just leave it there, you know, so... <laughs> We three kings of Orientar. All right. The kingdom was divided, or the kingdom was united, but now it's divided. Yeah. Um, yeah, they may, <laughs> we better watch out. They may not pick up your contract or any more podcasts. I know. I better be careful. All right. Well, that's all for today, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, on talking about the, the, the Book of Kings. And um, starting it off with the first two chapters of First Kings, Ed, thanks for for joining me today. Um, You're welcome. You're always welcome. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it was good. So, if you have any questions or comments or any Christmas song request, uh, email those into Grow Up and Talk Podcast at Gmail dot com, and we will talk with you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>